Welcome to 1001 Good Nights, a podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Follow along with two new dads, one a psychologist and one a book editor, as they explore the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future. Hey, Ben. Hey, Nick. Uh, are you uh, ready to dive into uh, a Christmas Carol? Since that's that that kind of season is upon us. Tis the season, and I just reread it, so I am raring to go. When you say reread, when was the last time that you read a Christmas Carol? Yeah, so I would say since college, I've probably I probably read it every three years, maybe. Oh wow! On average, I love, I, and we can get into this, but like. I really like novellas. I really like rereading books. Um, I know a lot of people don't, but I, I, I just really like it. And this one, of the, this is one of those ones that I, yeah, I would say every few years I probably read it. You can, you can really knock it, knock it out in like a, a you know, a, co- yeah. a, a hearty session. Um, I don't know. Uh, so I have seen the Muppet Christmas Carol a lot, and we had a pocket-sized Christmas ornament. Um, like five page like booklet that would hang on our Christmas tree that summarized the plot. And I think that I've read it. I, I mean, I, I love Dickens. I, I, he was my senior novel at, at school in, in college. And, but maybe I, if I, maybe I've never read this book or maybe I haven't read it as much oh, as wow. I thought that I had. I okay. would like, if you would ask me like before, how often have you, I'm like, Oh, I probably read it four or five times, but actually I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, well, I, in this book too, I. How were you introduced to it? I, well, I think like, that, that that Christmas the, ornament. The I think we had a, oh, no, we had the ornament. <laughs> we had the, well, it says Charles Charles think it's a Christmas Carol, and you can like as it's hanging on the tree, you can open it up, and it, it gives like a real bullet, you know. Yeah. Scrooge's. The spark you know, notes for spark notes. That's right. Yeah, like you know, Scrooge's greedy. Tiny Tim is deserving. I think there's like a page per spirit, you know, like. And then, <laughs> Because I think I was thinking back on this and I, so I didn't read this book until college. That was when I distinctly remember reading it for the first time. But I, I grew up, we grew up going to the play, like they did it, they put it on in San Francisco every year. And so that was my, that's my first memory with. Yeah, I think I've seen some theatrical ad- yeah, adaptations with the story. of it too, early on. Yeah. I have never seen the Muppets version, which I oh feel like gosh. is a lot of people's um, kind of touchstone for this story. Although we, and, but then we also grew up with the um, George C. Scott movie version. Right. So I saw that a lot. So that, and if you asked me, like, when I picture like the scenes and stuff, like that's the version that I, when I think of Scrooge, I think of George C. Scott. Um, okay. And when I think of the, the spirits, like those are the ones I think of. You know, uh, you know who plays the uh, Scrooge in the Muppets is Michael Caine. Oh. And did not, I did, and I, and I had, and I did not know that until I feel like until. I was like, oh my gosh, that Michael Caine just doubling the Scrooge. Yeah. I so we we should we should talk about the the book. One of the great things about even in the Muppet Christmas Carol is that uh, so which is narrated by Gonzo, uh, <laughs> <Muppet>. naturally. <laughs> but um, is like even like the dignity of some of those lines uh, is sort of like they preserve some of the lines. Like so, there's a lot that's not in the, the Muppet Christmas Carol. There's this that scene where they go to the miners. And like they, oh, they, yeah. they, they visit like people like out at sea who are celebrating Christmas, you know, with, with their, that's, that's excerpted, but 
the lines that they sort of quote word for word, like they really like, deliver like the gravitas. There's a lot of gravitas in this book for as kind of silly as it is. Right. I mean, so pro- most people presumably are familiar with the plot just because it's been, whether it's through Muppets or theoretical presentations or Christmas ornaments or just, I mean, I feel like don't be a Scrooge is like, you know, Scrooge McDuck. I mean, there's like, it's, 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 like it's part of like our general understanding of like right. what Christmas is, but obviously Scrooge, is a uh, sort of uncaring uh, like miser. And then one night he goes to sleep and three Christmas spirits of past, present and future appear to him. And they show him the error of his ways and how he should be, you know, if he doesn't end up a more living a more generous life, he's going to end up dying, you know, unloved and, you know, people fighting over his bed, you know, how much they can get for his bed curtains. Um, And, is that does that seem like a real like Christmas ornament sized uh, nice, <laughs> yep. rendition? Um, the because it's Dickens, like the like the power of description is it's it's, it's a well written book just on yep. its own. And uh, do you think like we've maybe have we talked about this before about the distinction between what was a children's book and what wasn't, and like how maybe it was more blurred before? Like some of the some of the sentences in this book, like. Like they're like pretty ambitious vocabulary. Have you tried? Have you have you read this to your girls at all? Or no? And so that's this is one of those few where we we've talked about talking about this, and I decided not to because I I just wasn't. I mean, we're in the middle of other stuff, and I just didn't. Yeah, I didn't do it. I didn't even try. But it's it's not it's not like I, I we haven't done like we did the wind and the willows. We talked about that and talk about like complex sentence structure. Yep, <laughs> it doesn't get more complex than the wind and the willows. Um, so I don't, I don't know. This one's an interesting one because you can have this conversation both about whether it's a children's book and whether it's a Christmas book. Which yeah. Is, you know, because it, it, we commonly assume that it's, it's a Christmas book. And, and I think sort of that it's a children's book. Like we take our kids to see the, right. you know, the, the show and the, the I mean, Muppets the, the, did it. The Muppets and, did it, right. Yeah. Right. So that, that but, usually, but to what it, extent it, is it actually, or was it intended to be for, right. um, for kids? Because obviously the, the subject matter is, it's, you get the sense that it was written for adults. Yeah. They- well, well, it's, well, much like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which honestly, I guess we just, maybe it's just, that's the last novella that I, that I read. And so it's, <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of uh, similarities, you know, they, a lot of like sort of like being angry about people turning a blind eye to starvation and hunger and a lot of right. really good descriptions of sumptuous feasts. Mm-hmm. I feel like in, in, in both books, but yeah, I mean, the people that, uh, that Dickens is clearly preaching to as he does in so many of his books are like the people that ignore the poor. So like it, it, and I feel like that's, he's not as worried about children not taking care of those in need as he is about, you know, like really the, 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 the sort of the, the reader for this is it's, in t- it's in other Scrooges out there, right. The, the other, other miserly, maybe middle-aged men who work on the change, you know uh, but, but I mean, but I'm just, I kind of wonder about it just because, the like the 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 sentence like the in the wind of the willows it was there'd be like a section that was like pretty complex and advanced that was kind of a left turn into whoa what's he talking about now right. but i feel like throughout like here's just kind of a randomly chosen sentence like uh nor was it more retentive of its ancient state within for entering the dreary hall and glancing through the open doors of many rooms they found them poorly furnished cold and vast mm-hmm. i don't know if that's just like <laughs> How people, I mean, it's very, you know, a 19th century British novel. So that's just, this is how you write, whether you're, and you're not like trying to 
think of like Lexile reading levels. You're like, okay, if I'm going to write a story, this is, this is how we write, you know, and if, if you know the right word, you use it and kids either don't know it or they're going to pick it up from context is, is that. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, my, my, assum- I'm not a uh, children's literature scholar <laughs> by any means, but my assumption is that back in the day, you just wrote stories and right. kids were sort of assume like they would just kind of pick it up or the stories would be filtered and presented to kids in a way right. that was appropriate. Right. So I don't, yeah, I, I definitely don't get the sense that he's writing for kids at all. M- maybe he understood that this would be told to kids um, or that yeah. kids would read it and take what they could from it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't at all. Um, associate this as with a with being a, a children's book specifically you know but it is very uh and i feel like dickens books often they're, they're often like, like in sort of the young reader section of a library like great right. expectations right. or even david copperfield those are often you know books that you, you that maybe you read like in junior high or high school or, or something so they're, they're kind of for young readers and there is like it is a like, even though it's a sort of morality tale about how to live a more generous life so you don't die unloved and you know like in, in misery um there's a lot of like sort of frolicking in it does that yeah but there's that, a lot of that in all of dickens right like that's that's, just, that's right that's yeah. just kind of so the way you kind of a piece yeah, yeah but there's did, a lot like, of fr- was... frolicking even in places like hard times and bleak house <laughs> you, 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 you get frolic i mean my when i think about it as a children's book the thing that makes me think of it at the, the, the rationale for how, why you could include it in, in children's literature is that almost like the story structure is it, it's got this, it, it's kind of a mor- morality tale, but it's, it's almost got like kind of a fairy tale structure yeah. to it, right? Where it's the, the people are kind of, uh, char- they're not, I mean, they're relatively full characters, but, but they're also kind of types, right? Yeah. And, then, and then there's these, you know, there's the, the rule of threes, the three spirits, there's these kind of magical, right. fantastical elements to it too. So it's, it's clearly not like a novel. It's not like a 19th century British it's also, novel. It's also short, you know, so it's, it's right. short, it, it's short in the, and it's kind of like a fairy tale. So like, and it, you know, and it's holiday themed. So maybe that makes it, you know, something for, for the, for the whole family. But let's go back. So have you read this to your kids? Would you read this to your kids? So I have read, uh, we are about a page and a half in <laughs> so, so far. And I think that's going to, that's probably going to be our pace. You know, okay. uh, you know, uh, Jack is familiar with the, uh, story from the, from the Muppets. Right. So, and he, uh, like, and, and the Muppets might've been one of his like first introductions to the sort of the supernatural. So he's like Marley's ghost is very much like on his radar, (laughs) even if in the Muppet Christmas Carol, it's played by two, two Muppets. And so like, that's, it's a little confusing (laughs) that that he encounters like the singer, but but yeah, so he's, I I would. And I think this is something that maybe, I don't know that I would um, like, maybe I would read it while they're doing other things. Like maybe what we did, we kind of, we, we built a fire and then, people were kind of doing activities and I was kind of reading out loud. And so it wasn't the same kind of like dedicated reading maybe, but um, I, I mean, it is like, it's a, it is a good, it's, it's a, it's a good story. And I think there's a lot of things that even for a four-year-old can appreciate just in the way that he talks about, everybody loves a good description of food or, or, and, and he's really, you know, his physical description where he describes, you know, people's noses, the way their noses get when it's yeah. cold or, 
Um, there's a lot of sort of dramatic sound effects. Like, you know, somebody will slam the door and you describe how it rattles through the house. And it, it's, you can, uh, it's, it's easy to see why this was adapted for the stage. It's so often adapted for the stage because, you know, it's, it, it lends itself to sort of dramatic performance. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it, I, even though I haven't actually started reading this um, to my kids, I, I definitely will, whether they're, whether it's like age, it, it's clearly not inappropriate. It's not like there are parts of it that are, I mean, there's some scary elements to it perhaps, but I, I think it's like a misconception that, or, or it, it's, it's sad to me that so many people <laughs> withhold books from kids because they're not like at the right reading level. And, and to me, the assumption there is like, unless the kid really understands what's going on all the time, it's not worthwhile. And that seems bonkers to me. Like, it it seems totally natural that you would, even if you, like I'm, uh, even the wind, take the wind in the willows, right? Like I'm pretty sure my five-year-old and three and a half-year-old, they're not picking up on a lot of kind of major plot elements and stuff. They, They get it, but they get like a sense for the characters and they get some of the plot points and they get, we have little inside jokes that come from it. And so I like the idea of you can introduce like the, the book and the world to your kids and they, maybe they have it only in kind of rough outlines, but then they can continue to kind of like build on that framework or structure, like as they get older. Right. And so, yeah, I think, I think that's right. Well, so a couple of things, one, Obviously, I feel like I never really understand what's going on with anything ever. So, like, if I waited till I had full <laughs> comprehension, I would just give up <laughs> literature and definitely the internet, like you know, in- entirely. But what's but there's got to be some kind of spectrum because you don't want to necessarily you're, you're not cracking open, I don't know, like a textbook on orthopedic surgery or something and saying <laughs> let's like do this as like a like you know fun reading for the family and it's like yeah sure they they might not understand you know all the all the medical terminology but they'll just get what they can. And then, you know, right. and then one day when they're surgeons themselves, they'll, <laughs> they'll be able to appreciate the full, the whole thing, you know? So, but you, you think that a book like this, there have to, like, what are the things in the wind of the willows um, that you can latch onto from the very beginning? Is it just that we've talked about before how sometimes I think it's important for your kids to see yourself enjoying something yeah, like, and that's right. part of it. And like, I'm very captivated by a, a, a Christmas carol and kind of the language and, there's some really, in the way that Dickens does, some really sort of throwaway, astute psychological observations, you know, about yeah. the way that like there's, there's this one thing where, where Scrooge talks about, uh, like he's more facetious than he ordinarily allowed himself to be at somebody's, like at somebody and at Christmas's expense. And he's, and it kind of puts him in a better mood, even as like, sort of like a killjoy as he is. And right. I just, just the way that it describes that, it just seems really, for his caricature, it is, that you know as as the 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 characters are there's often like a moment of like sudden fullness where they just seem so even like in sketch form so well realized and i just enjoy that so much and i think that your kids can pick up on when you're really like tuned into a book yeah totally and i think my litmus test is basically just i'll I'll try out books on my kids and if if they have want nothing to do with it going forward like fine i'm not going to 
push it on them. But if they keep asking for it, like my girls kept asking for one in the willows, even though I was like, there is no way sure, they're, like, yeah. they're getting like 10% of this maybe. Um, same with the Hobbit. I'm reading the Hobbit to my, my five-year-old and she, um, there's plenty of stuff that's over her head. And she's, she's like, who are these guys again? And like, which one's Gandalf? And like, yeah, she's, um, she, she's not she saying like, asking like for it. she's not saying pump the brakes until I have like a better working knowledge of Norse mythology. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, and, right. But I think that's, I also think it's kind of, um, empowering for kids to, to, to get a sense that they are reading something that's a little bit over their heads, but that they can like hang with it and enjoy it. Because honestly, like that, in, in addition to it just being kind of fun for them to do, I think, to, to like get access to a book that they on some level know is kind of above their, their level maybe, it's also, I don't know, it's kind of a life skill, right? Because like you said, yeah. we're all in over our heads all the time. It's not like that right. stops once you become an adult. Right? right? We're constantly just like scrambling, like what the hell is going on here? Um, and that maybe that's like training for that when you just kind of get plopped into a book and you kind of have to like figure out what's going no, on. I, I like that. I think it helps uh, a little bit in that uh, both The Wind and the Willows and uh, and A Christmas Show and honestly, Charlie the Chocolate Factory, there's the characters themselves are also kind of in over their heads and kind of like, like what's going on. Like, you know, the, so we've talked about how sometimes children's literature can be kind of a leveling field for, you know, or level the playing field for both the adults and the kids. Like, I don't know, this this, this crazy stuff is happening. (laughs) We're kind of figuring this out together. And so there's a sense that, you know, when the spirits show up, like what are the rules of this? We, the adults don't necessarily really know. And, and it is, it is kind of, you know, you're in a, a chocolate factory and the elevators like flying up into the sky, like you know, anything is possible. And, and so it's, if you're confused, it might be because you don't know like what sumptuous means, but also might be just because you've never encountered a magical elevator or like the, the, the spirit of Christmas past before. Right. We, we are getting in a, in a lot of our bigger books, my, my daughters are getting more bold about just stopping me like every 10 seconds and asking what words meant. Elena asked what phosphorescence meant the other night when we we're, <laughs> which kind of stumped me a little bit. That's a hard one to define. Um, but yeah, I think that's, but that's encouraging, right? They, that I think it's a real, it's just so, it's so cool to be able to, for, for you and your kids to be kind of, and the characters to all just sort of be kind of confused together but sort of okay with it because that's, that's what it is. Like, that's how stories go. They're, they're kind of confusing and overwhelming and there's challenges and eventually you kind of overcome them. And so there's all these like cool layers of parallel going on that I I just think are so fun. And I mean, we'll we'll have to see what our kids think when they're older and reflecting on all this. (laughs) And then they'll say, yeah, I never got it. You always always hated it. Um, Speaking of defining terms though, have you, uh, there's a little tangential, but, it makes me realize how uh, sometimes I don't know what we're like as many words as I think I know. Like, I was like, Oh yeah. Like phosphate. I've used that in, you know, essays for 25 years, but <laughs> when push comes to shove, I, I am kind of like struggling. To, I mean, I mean it, 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 and, and to be fair, like sometimes it's like you, if, if it's a, we're used to sort of describing one big polysyllabic word and by using another big one. And so it's, right. it, it can be hard to break it down. Like, like Foster, like, well, how much you know about bioluminescence? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to explain the whole chain of uh, that's right, yeah, yeah. Of, of metaphors. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I, I think there really is. Um, yeah, the more I do this, the more I think there is something. The more I'm a parent and read to my kids a lot, and, and then gab to you about it. Um, I think there really is something to that about um, 
the children, like a book being written for children is not the important part. Like more and more I think about, when I think about the genre of children's books, what I think of is me and my kids reading together. Yeah. Which I, th- I think is just the most, the, the best part of like sharing these kind of like stories and experiences and, and words and inside jokes and like all that kind of stuff together like that. So when you, it, it, when you talk about like whether something is or isn't a children's book, I, I almost go to, well, does it allow me and my kids to like read together and kind of share a story together? And like, if yeah, then sure, I'll put it in the category. That's sort of uh, the perfect sentiment to end this on, except I do have, <laughs> so I do have <laughs> a follow-up question. Um, that being said, like if, if that's your definition, if you got that, say you're like a, a children's book, you work at a, a publishing company that publishes children's books and you right. got a Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens sends you a Christmas Carol. He said, this is the, the children's books I want to publish. Do you have any suggestions for him? Do you say, like, why are we, you know, uh, why are we talking about these like spectral figures of like want and ignorance, you know, in, in, in here, or should we, should we cut this scene or like trim this discussion? Or do you just say, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that, that Charles Dickens is, is sending something to me. Like, let's just, let's just roll it out and <laughs> like, like, give it a whirl. I think that if I was the publisher, the big thing I would do to to make something amenable to kids is to make sure there are good, at least a few good illustrations. Like that one thing I've found with with these children's books that are a little over the heads of my kids is as long as there are a few like kind of anchor illustrations and images, that will carry them through to a tremendous degree. So like in The Hobbit, I'm reading The Hobbit right now, and there's this great, it's, it's a there aren't a lot of illustrations, but there are a few. And one of them is of smog, like lying on the pile of gold. And, um, and so that like really anchored the idea of this is a story about like people doing something to go get gold back from their, from a dragon who stole it. And I so would say, yeah, I would that, say even like, a, a, a good cover. Even just, yeah, exactly. Cause I, I feel like when we've done sometimes books like one of the wells or even this, the copy of the Christmas Carol when we first started it, they, the kids would be like, you know, what is this about again? And then they just sort of like, we, we shut the book and look at the cover and just kind of meditate on that for a while. Yes. And like, and if the cover has all the kind of the main character, like you say, the dragon or maybe I'll go wizard or something like, okay, I know that right now we're talking about, you know, something else we're talking about, you know, famine or mountain, but, 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 but when you get down to the kernel of it, it has to do with this dragon and this wizard or, yeah. you know, this, this Christmas spirit and, you know, and this old man in a nightcap like that. And that's what's that kind of amazing. Kids only need a few little anchors like that to get, at least in my experience, to get kind of interested in and excited about a story. And then they'll, they'll, fill in the details as they go. I, I will say that is something that I've learned just in general with all the reading that, that kids and some like, sometimes it seems like kids need so much, but honestly, sometimes it's astonishing like how little they need and how much heavy lifting their imaginations can do. If you enjoyed this episode, check out our other content at 1001goodnights.com and help us out with a rating on your podcast platform of choice.